let's create a website that actually gets you subscribers and looks darn good. You're listening to Inbox Besties, the only little guy approved podcast that gives you dangerously practical advice for turning internet randos into subscribers with benefits. You know, the kind that pop open their wallets and throw fistfuls of cash at you for your courses and, and coaching, not like that other stuff. Perf. Now let's get to it. Oh, welcome back my inbox bestie. It's bestie. It's Kate Doster here of katedoster.com. And I am super excited because we are having on Elizabeth from the Breakthrough Brand Podcast. Now, I love this podcast. I have been a longtime listener of it. And when I saw Elizabeth's name pop into my inbox, I was like, ooh, this is exciting. I tell you guys that if I had not even heard of her before, 100% I would have had her on this podcast. It was the best podcast pitch I have ever seen in my life. And as Abby, my right-hand lady, can tell you, we get at least five pitches for people wanting to be on this show a day, every day. It is kind of bananas. And we had a decision tree. And I'm like, if the pitch does not feel as great as Elizabeth does, it's an automatic no. And I think we found maybe one that has measured up. So you're going to hear me gushing about that in the rest of the interview. But today we are going to be talking about what you need to do on your website to make sure not only does it look good, but that it functions well and actually gets you those email subscribers. What I love about Elizabeth is how she marries the really strategic part of building an online business with design that looks good. So we were going to start with three mistakes that people make, and then we went to five, and I'm pretty sure we ended up with something a little bit closer to seven or nine. We are going to be talking about a really simple thing that even I wasn't doing on my website, but it should be done there now before this episode airs that can add so many subscribers to your website that you just didn't even think about. We are going to be talking about whether pop-ups are worth your time or not. And spoiler alert, that isn't what I was just talking about. And we are also going to be talking to Elizabeth about her McDonald's moment. When she was face-to-face with a client she probably shouldn't have taken on and what she now looks out for when she actually has room for her clients. Now, I will say that most of the time, because after listening to this, you're going to want to hire her. She doesn't really take one-on-one custom clients that much anymore. It's more geared towards her template shop, which I'm telling you guys, there's a link in the show notes. It's not an affiliate link. They are just stunning. So without further ado, let's start talking about those big mistakes and corrections you need to make in order to have your website be the conversion machine and nice and inviting. So, ah, there we go. We are now officially connected. So if you could please say your name for us. Yep. Elizabeth McCravey. McCravey. I absolutely love it. (laughs) All right. So let's cut us down. Three, two, one. Hey, hey, everybody. So I am so unbelievably excited for this interview. Like I had said in the intro, this is one of like the best podcast pitches I had ever seen when I actually got it. I was literally telling Elizabeth, like gushing about it. I'm like, when Abby, who you guys know, if you're longtime listeners, is my work wife. I'm like, anytime you get a pitch, if it's not like even halfway as good as Elizabeth, just automatically send it to trash because it was so fantastic. But what did she know that I had already been listening to her podcast? It was very much a small world moment. So as I've been gushing on and on about you, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, let us know your pronouns and tell everyone, you know, just a little bit about yourself. Yes. Okay. And that's seriously so flattering what you've said about the pitch, because I enjoy your podcast too. We were literally just saying that we were both listening to each other's shows this morning. So that's really fun. Um, and I wrote the pitch myself, which I think is so huge for podcast pitches actually working versus like, 
a generic pitch to every single person out there. Um, so yes, I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, my name's Elizabeth McCravey pronouns are she and her, and I'm a website designer based in Nashville. And the main thing I do to like, put it really simply is I have a website template shop where I sell website templates, primarily for female business owners, a lot of like personal brand based businesses, um, photographers, wedding industry coaches, um, marketers use the templates. They're easy to use, fun, strategic. That's kind of my jam. So I feel like you can, you and I can certainly jam on the strategy stuff. So this will be fun. So, so much, especially like, I feel like when people, you know, like I can give them the words and I do think that words do absolutely matter, but especially if you are trying to charge higher prices or if you're doing more consumer face stuff, the look matters just as much. I feel like because a lot of people get into the echo chamber of like bloggers who blog about blogging or coaches who coach about coaching or marketers who market to marketers in those industries, probably maybe not the high-end coaches, but in most of those industries, you can get away with ugly and nobody cares. (laughs) But when it's like an actual, like real life person, who's not in the online space, like they really do care what your stuff looks like. Yeah, that's so true. And then there's such a difference too, with that of like, there's pretty and then there's pretty and strategic. And I think it's so good to like know how it all plays together. And like you said, copywriting, I mean, it all, it all flows together to make a website make sense and work. Right. And that's why I absolutely love listening to the breakthrough branding podcast, which like I already said in the intro guys, love a link to in the show notes. Cause I know you're going to want to hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this, but before we go ahead and dive in to like you were talking about that design and the strategery, <laughs> to quote Bill Farrell, <laughs> the strategicness of actually getting higher conversion rates. So it's not just that it looks nice, but it works nice. I would love for listeners to get to know your infamous McDonald's moment. And this, if you guys are brand new to the podcast, I ask everyone I interview because running an online business is not all sunshines, rainbows, or throw up a landing page, you made a million dollars. Like it's a real life business and there can be some struggles. So I would love it, Elizabeth, if you could think back to a moment, whether it was recently or even when you were first starting that you were just like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love how you call it a McDonald's moment too. That feels so like vivid and clear on, on the moment. <laughs> I, I can think of plenty. Um, but one, mm-hmm. when I first hear that question that comes to mind is, I mean, gosh, it probably was like maybe two years into my business before I was selling website templates. I was primarily working one-on-one with clients, which I still do a little bit of. And I really love it. I built a successful business doing that. I had one client though, who I was really excited to work with. There were tons of red flags. I ignored them. Even my own literal dad knew this person and told me not to work with them. And I didn't listen. And I was like, no, it's an exciting project. It's a good opportunity. I'm going to do it. Um, and the project, I mean, long without getting into the nitty gritty details, the project went really poorly and ended with the client being super angry, derogatory towards me, like as a woman, even like, um, language rude, um, told me I was a horrible designer, told me that they found something better on Pinterest. And why couldn't it look like that after we had like completely finished the project. And it was just like one of those like nightmare situations where every, like everything went smooth. And then at the end, it was like every single thing I had done was wrong. And they just had this whole list of why I'm horrible. A year later, they threatened to sue me when their domain name expired, like just crazy stuff like that. It was a really bad experience. And I had so many moments in that of like, I made a lot of mistakes of like emailing with this client while like in bed on my phone and should have just put it away, like things like that. But I 
ultimately with it had uh, thoughts of like, am I even good at doing this? Cause at that particular time, um, you know, they were like my biggest client yet. And when I was so excited about, it, and then they're telling me I'm not a good designer and they hate my work and they're yeah. unsatisfied with the experience. And it was just like, can I do this? And I still have it in my, like, I keep a business journal and I have multiples mm-hmm. of them that I typically have like one a year, but I still have where I was like, journaling of like, what's true about this situation. Um, like what other, like, and I asked the question of like, this client says I suck, but like, is there proof of other clients liking what I've done? And that was one thing that helped me get over it. But that was like a, that's the biggest moment I've ever had of like truly being like throwing the towel versus just like, this is kind of hard. So I have to ask and not going into too many details because we don't want to pry. And especially since there was threats of lawsuits and all that sort of stuff. Do you remember back besides your dad telling you straight up, I don't think you should work with this person. What were even some of the more like subtle nuances of the red flags? Oh yeah. Well, one thing, and I tell designers this now to like really pay attention to, but this particular client had just hired someone who was going to be their like assistant at this, um, business. And I was only going to be communicating with her for the whole project. And normally up until that point, I had like kind of said, I wouldn't do that. Like I want to talk, I want to be talking to the decision maker for the company when it comes to the Mm. designs of everything. Um, But I had another client where it worked out great because the person who was like a manager really was the decision maker. And this was not the case. So like the whole project, I only spoke to her. She loved everything. We're still friends. I really like enjoyed working with her (laughs) and he actually fired her shortly after, but it was like, we were both like, everything's going great. And then he didn't know anything happening. And it was like, that was something where I should have noted like, Oh, that, that shouldn't be that way. And he also did a lot of the, like, if this is so easy, like that, that whole, like when people, when clients say like, this is really easy, should only take a couple hours. Like when they ask you to do something, it's like run the other direction most of the time. <laughs> Cause they, they clearly think it's something different than it is. And this client had a lot of that of like, it's easy, whatever to everything. Right. And I think that especially for my, for all of the service-based listeners that listen to the show, I think that that is 100% accurate the people that I feel really value your skills are the ones that while they'll say like, they shouldn't say that it's easy, but they'll be like, well, I know for you, it probably won't be that hard, but because with that, it, they understand the logic, the, the art that actually goes into making something rather than just like, oh, you should be able to whip this together. What's your problem? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, well, I have to say the rest of us are really glad that you did not throw in the towel. And I'm sure that that really did help you with you know, filtering out the clients that you took. Do you think that maybe that's why you, even though you don't really take one-on-ones anymore, I'm sure she's booked up guys. You can, you can go over to her website. I'm sure she'll be like, no, sorry. You can try dropping this interview. Maybe it'll help get you to the top of the queue. But did that help you really narrow down the type of business owner that you wanted to work with to really niche down? Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like I learned so much from it of like, um, red flags, different pricing, attracting different people, um, listening to my dad's advice and other business owners. Cause one of the other, I've only had a few bad client experiences, but both times I had someone else tell me that they were a red flag and I didn't listen to them. So it's like kind of, kind of learning some of that, but yeah, it definitely helps me 
figure out who I want to work with and just navigating stuff like that. I mean, you grow so much as a business owner when you have someone be angry with you. Um, and it, it's nice to think that it's all like sunshine and daisies all the time. Um, but like, as you grow your business, whether it's growing your email list, growing social media, like growing in client based customer base, like you're going to have someone be mad and you have to learn how to navigate it. So it definitely helped me. Yeah. Right. I think that, and this is why I tell a lot of people when they are disproportionately passionate about the people that they help. They're not like, Oh, like I've got to be this, or I've got to be this, or that product has to do it. But maybe just like, I'm going to help moms or I am going to help people over 50 that want to lose weight. When you're so like, so disproportionately passionate about the group of people that you serve rather than how you serve them, it kind of makes dealing with that bad client experience. Like not not as, not as so hard to take, or, you know, everyone sort of had that launch that didn't go so well, or the occasional, you know, email, like, how dare you like use the word butt face in your subject lines. I'm like, how'd you even get in here? Uh, <laughs> like what? Like you were, you're not allowed. And my list you're out unsubscribed, but I just, I really, really love that so much. So I would love to, again, as most people know, if they're longtime listeners of the show, I, until very recently did not pay much attention to design probably because I was DIYing it and you know I call us Canva heroes and I was just like Meh, whatever my words can get me down but I have to say that really when you are trying to get yourself out there or even get that vote of confidence like you want to be able to share with your family and friends your website especially if they don't really believe in your business or like you have no problem like pitching big names to either be on your podcast or to be on theirs I do think that having a website that not only looks nice and functions well, is really huge. So I would love to know what is, and we'll probably do a rule of threes, like we do in the big three summit. So what are some of the biggest mistakes, say like the top three that people make when it comes to particularly their website and actually trying to like, how can I put this? The biggest mistakes that they make when designing, that's going to be hurting their conversion rates, whether it's for sales or for emails. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. I have so many. So let's, Oh yeah. we can, we can start with three big ones. And then I have, would you, would you rather start with email list ones? Cause I have Here, email let's go list with ones. That. <laughs> okay. Cause there's some that are like, We're specifically... the boss. we can do whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, I, have, I, I literally like, in thinking about this jotted down like 10 different things. So we probably won't even get through all of them. We'll go, but... I was going to say, we'll try. If okay, not, okay. Subscribe to her podcast and I'm sure you'll hear the rest. So let's Love just it. go. Yeah. So with thinking about like, conversions of email list and specifically like how we talk about getting people on our list. Cause your website is the place you're doing that the most, you know, like that's literally the place your landing pages to get people on and everything. Um, one first tip for that, for the email list is to quit calling it your email list in the way you talk about it. Um, I'm sure you would agree with this Kate, but like the headline and what you are saying in order to get someone to sign up should not be, Hey, get on my email list to stay up to date on current announcements. Just don't, just don't even use the word email list. And that's not being dishonest. Like you still like people understand that when they opt in for something that they're going to be added to email list. We have the like GDPR opt-in thing happening on a lot of stuff as well. So people know you don't need to say it. Instead, you should focus on with your copy saying what they get when they opt in, not what happens after. So what happens after is they're on your email list. They might be in a funnel. What they get in that moment is whatever your main lead magnet is. So like name your business in five steps with my free workbook. That's a great like headline to use versus join my list to stay up to date on current happenings or whatever. Right now 
I'm sure because the level of clients that you work with are probably more elevated. Have you ever gotten to a client that they didn't have a freebie and they were just like, all I've got is updates or are most of your people a little bit more advanced? That's a great question. I mean, I've worked with plenty of clients one-on-one who are newer in their business and plenty of my template customers too, who don't have a freebie yet. And I would say for that, like, if you're not going to do like a PDF download or a free training or something of that sort, have something you're doing that you can talk about besides getting announcements. Like maybe you're giving a coupon code for your shop. If you're an online shop, coupon codes are great to get people on the list. Maybe it's that you send a weekly email that is really great free content, similar to like a podcast where you're sharing free advice of sorts. Um, a free like training. I mean, it can be anything, but I would say make it something Mm -hmm. besides just random content. I love that. (laughs) And y'all know that that's how I feel, but it's so nice. We have other people telling us. I would these I'm like, you probably agree with me on like all of these first ones and probably say them all the time yourself too. So, but it's, it's so nice. It's not just me guys. It's not just me and my bubble. So number one, stop calling it a newsletter list or saying like get updates because people aren't really down with that. What is the second mistake when their people are designing or working on their websites that's hurting their conversion rate? Yes. So I w- I'm going to put these two together. Gathering, you should gather opt-ins in the footer of your website and a variety of inline places versus just doing tons of pop-ups. So I'd be curious how you feel about pop-ups, Kate, but I am kind of anti pop-ups on every page of the site. I think they're okay sparingly, but like one, something I see people do all the time is they're like, I really want people to be on my email list. So every single page of my website, I'm going to put an automated pop-up that happens after like 10 seconds. And all you're doing is hurting people from actually seeing the content they're trying to see on that page. Um, and what often happens is the pop-up happens and they're like, wait, I was trying to read what's underneath it. They click it off. And then after they've read it, they might be like, wow, this girl's awesome. I want to be on her list. And then the pop-up's gone. And so they can't get on your list anymore. (laughs) Um, So that's where like inline, um, which basically just means like, you know, you're scrolling the page and then there's a section relating to your opt-in. That's where those come in handy, putting it, um, you know, in that top bar area of your website or in the footer, which for most websites is consistent throughout, which really puts the opt-in timing and control of the user. So when they're on any given page, they can say, oh, that freebie sounds awesome. I want to sign up for it versus just like constant in their face. You need to get this. So I love that. So for the, the inline in like the footer or sometimes they'll call it like a bottom section. Again, it just depends on what you guys are building your site on. Do you recommend just having like I like calling it like the naked opt-in form, like the naked opt-in form, or are you telling them to like go to a landing page? Which one do you feel is the best? That's a great question. I mean, I think both work really well and on my templates and on custom sites for clients, I do it both ways. Um, If it's something, here's what I'll say with that. If it's something where they need to have a little bit more information as they're doing it, then bring it to a new page. So like I actually just finished a custom site for Rick Mulready, who he's like an online business, Facebook ads coach. And for his main opt-in that we were promoting throughout the site, it's a quiz called find your business blind spots. And so we put that in his footer 
and it said like three minutes, find it's a, I forget how it was phrased. It's phrased better than what I just said, but it tells you to like find <laughs> yeah. it. And then it says, click here, you know, take the quiz. And then on that landing page, there's a little bit more information that wouldn't have really fit well in the footer on my site though. I have like the actual form there just straight up where you type in, but I don't have much to say about the lead magnet. Like it's very straightforward. And so it just makes sense to just say it. Well, I absolutely love that idea. So to harken back about the pop-up. So what I always tell people is to test. I do not personally like pop-ups because my goal isn't to have a giant size email list. As you guys know, I want the right people on my email list and I really enjoy getting buyers. So when we had the pop-up on our site, I think it was, I consider it like a marginal increase in monthly uh, subscribers, but then our conversion rate on our easiest offer thank you pages hybrids were down a lot more. So I could literally see when somebody was going from a pop-up to, if you guys want to call it a tripwire, which is a hideous term, but a thank you page with a paid offer, as we like to call it around here, it just converted so much worse with a pop-up. So the only pop-ups that we tend to use, and this only necessarily works on desktop, is like exit intent pop-ups. I think that those can work really well before somebody leaves. Again, on mobile, it's not going to work. Um, we might do another test to see like more of like the slide up ones, but I think that an actual pop-up, unless you're an e-commerce store, I think it's pretty annoying because in e-commerce, most people are looking for that, you know, 15% off or that free shipping. But as you said, give it a little bit more time <laughs> so that way people can see what you've got first. Yeah. And you and I, like, not we're exactly on the same page with all that. Like with e-commerce, it's like when you land on a product, like you're thinking about buying it. So when they say get 15% off of putting in your email, it's like, why would you say no? I often like, will be looking for that. Like, can I click to more yes. pages? Like, when will you show me the pop-up? Like I want the discount. Yes. Um, <laughs> but for online businesses, like you're right. Exit intent ones are awesome. I recently, um, on my website, added one on a few pages. That's a little corner. It pops up slightly. Yeah. Slides up. Yeah, slides up. Um, and I, I need to see like how, like if that one in particular, it's hard. I don't, I haven't been tracking like how that's doing over other ones. Cause that's a freebie. I have multiple places, but I like that. Cause it doesn't take over the whole page. It doesn't block them from reading content and with pop-ups in general, like just make sure like to test it yourself on your mobile site and see mm -hmm. like, are you making it impossible to use your website by having this pop-up? Cause sometimes um, that can be easy to do with depending on what website builder you're using of just like completely ruining the user experience. 100%. I was literally just listening. It was something else, but like, I've seen this to myself where sometimes when you're on mobile, you can't find the X to X out of it. And yeah. so then people are just going to leave and they're not going to want it anymore. The one last thing that I'm going to say about pop-ups before we get to your number three is if you're going to do pop-ups guys and you're like, no, but like, I really want to do them. I've had some great luck. Every sort of pop-up builder can do this. Try to make it that it's only showing up on certain pages. Meaning I have done reviews for students of love your list. And I love y'all the most listies y'all know that on the middle of their sales page, a pop-up for their freebie comes up. Like, no, you don't want the people to be distracted. You don't want it to show up on your thank you page for your freebie or for our paid product. And I think that if you have a well-timed pop-up and it's related, I always tell people do it with most blogging categories. You can kind of do it. So if you have say like two varieties, like maybe I've got one about list building and I have one about copywriting, 
I'm going to make sure that all of the blog posts that have to do with copywriting have the copywriting freebie attached to it. Whereas the one about growing your list is going to have like freebies that serve and sell. So I think that that's another great way that if you do want to test up pop-ups because your list growth is going a bit small, you want to A-B test, see what it does, see if those subscribers stick around. I think making it as strategic and relevant to the content as possible is key. Yes. That's, those are my thoughts. Would you rather crawl across glass naked or have to stand in line at the DMV with Taco Bell tummy? you know what I'm talking about, then actually have to write an email to your list. I mean, you don't want to come off too salesy and what if you're boring and you don't want to add to all of the noise. And somehow every single week, besides the cold sweat, you bust out with being finger tied, you know, instead of tongue tied because you're actually typing. Don't you just wish that you could just magically snap your fingers and almost have somebody else write your emails for you? Well, that's exactly what you're going to get when you invest in the email marketing fairy. The email marketing fairy template set is over 50 grab and go newsletters, welcome series, and even an 11 part sales funnel that you can use as an amazing jumping off point to actually write emails that connect with your audience, get replies, and most importantly, get those buy buttons hit. And all you need to do to get your hands on this, along with almost $100 worth of free bonuses, is by heading on over to theemailmarketingfairy.com. That's right, head on over to theemailmarketingfairy.com and you will never have to awkwardly tell your list, hey, I know it's been a while ever again. So yeah. now that we've both ranted about pops and they better look good. So go <laughs> hang out with Elizabeth to get the branding on point. So number three. Yes. Okay. I'm like, which one to share next in all my notes? Um, okay. Here's one, that, a tip that again, relating to like a website that converts really well, copywriting matters so much. Like we haven't even really touched on design much and design matters too. I think copywriting matters a ton as well. If not equal, maybe to design of like your words are not compelling. People are going to click away. So when it comes to copywriting, specifically thinking about headlines, which all I mean by that is like the bigger pieces of text that are above sections, call it the headlines. You know, we think about newspapers. Those are headlines. Headlines are everywhere, but you want to make sure that what you're saying will actually make people want to read what's underneath it, which feels so simple yet. So often, I'm sure you see this too, Kate, but like I see all the time on websites where they're using that headline text to say something like, hi, I'm Elizabeth. Thanks so much for visiting my website. I'm so grateful you stopped by. Um, thanks for popping over. And it's like, Oh, like don't use your copywriting space for that. Like I like to think of every little section of text, every image slot, all of it on your website is precious because people's attention spans are short and you don't want to waste people's time. And we are so impatient. Like when your website loads slow, people click away. If people are reading your copy and they're like, I can't figure out like what this person does, if it's relevant for me, um, any of that, they're going to click away. So make sure you're using the space while, um, saying things, um, that are compelling to read what's underneath it. And with that too, speaking in a language that makes sense to people. So often we try to use jargon and things that your ideal customers and clients aren't going to understand to like sound smarter or more official, but it's better to speak like plain language, which I think you do a really great job of that. Um, oh, I 
Thank you. Yeah. Because I'm like, that is another thing that we hear. And the reason why I was giggling is because one of the episodes that I was just listening to before half done is when you went on your rant about, hi there, it's Elizabeth. So I was giggling. I'm like, oh, this really does get her goat. Yeah. No, I'm talking- so and now I'm like, oh, I mean, our website, like right now, hopefully by the time you guys are listening to this, it's the new pretty one. But the old one, like, we would 100% do that. I'm like, oh man, don't let Elizabeth see that. Oh my gosh. I haven't seen that on your side. That's what, what page were you doing it on? Was it like on the homepage or on like about, I see it on about I mean, page a lot. Yeah. I think that all of it is just like meh, but it's, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, there's sympathy for like people doing that. Cause it's like a lot of times uh, with templates, you don't know, like you see a slot for what to say and you're like, I don't know what to say it's like taking that extra step to figure out like, okay, what makes sense to go here? Even looking at other people's websites, like what are they saying in certain sections that could make sense? If you buy a template, those are great to show you like, here's what should go here. And then you have to customize it to yourself. But I try to do like filler text, even on templates to show like, here's a good idea for what to say right here. Um, so yeah. Which is so valuable. And just to harken back and then we'll get to one of the other ones is when you had mentioned about like copy, I literally said this to a one-on-one client this morning. I'm like, I have never heard a human say that sentence out loud. It was like something about like, do you believe, and I don't want to give away too much away, but it was like, do you believe that blanks that they're showing are myths? I'm like, nobody would refer to those things as myths. Like that makes no sense. Like it was like an actual object. I'm like, you don't talk like that. Why is this there? Yes. No, I mean, and I have have a podcast episode about this where I can't remember the episode number, but it, the title is say what you do in the worst way possible. Um, and it's like an exercise on how to figure out how to say what you do. And you start by thinking, how would I explain in the worst way possible what I do? as a living to someone. And that's where like, you, you'll sometimes hear the funny stuff, like photographers saying, I shoot people for a living. And it's like, those sorts of things come out of it. But then you also, <laughs> if you can take it a little bit less funny and a little more serious, you can get to like a really like just bold, blunt, fierce, like way to say what you're doing. That makes a lot of sense and resonates with people more than like a, I, like more flower, less, like less flowery, more blunt and specific. I think is what is going to resonate with people the most. <laughs> I was going to ask you how you say what you do in the worst way possible. We're going to make people listen to the episode. <laughs> yes. I mean, I could try. I literally... to break the branding podcast. Y'all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I ended up, I, I did this exercise for myself and like, let me see on my website, I would say this is like a modified version of the worst way possible, but I say helping women ditch their boring soulless websites for a website that actually makes them money. Mm-hmm. Um, so just saying like that term, like people say their website's boring. Um, right. I hear sol- solace is a little bit more out there of a way to say it, but like, you know, people don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another word, but besides boring, but boring's a normal word that we use in everyday life. Like it doesn't have to be like, like I'm not using like high conversions and low conversions and things like that right mm-hmm. there. Just like something normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. What is the fourth thing. So we've talked about pop-ups. We've talked about not calling it an email list. Um, we've talked about making sure that we're actually utilizing that headline space because people are skimmers to the best way possible. What is something else that we need to be looking at besides just having things to be pretty with our website? 
Yeah. So thinking about the images you use on your website, um, stock photos are great. Um, and I definitely think like they play a great role in businesses. And there are so many companies out there now that do really beautiful, more like custom feeling, even stock photography. But even if you're going to use stock photos in your business for other things, you need to have photos of yourself on your website, especially for many people listening, like you and I cater like this of like, our businesses, our names, we are like front facing towards our, in the sense of like how we relate to our audience, like your face needs to be on your website. Um, and a lot of people end up like skimping on doing branding photo shoots to save money and things like that. And I totally get that. But even if there's a way for you to find a local photographer and do like an exchange with them where they take photos of you and you do something within your service for them or finding someone who it's like, they're willing to do it for free because it's their first photo shoot, just something to get started if you're not ready to like invest financially in photography yet. But it makes such a huge difference. Um, it goes to like, in so many reasons, one would be credibility. Like you are going mm -hmm. to feel instantly more credible when we see you versus we seeing some generic stock image that is on everyone's website. Um, it also helps with connection. Um, this literally been, I've seen studies about this. I wish I had like a better reference and saying I've seen studies, but like we connect with people seeing eye to eye, even through websites, screens do not affect that. And so when someone lands on your website, on your about page, whatever page, and they see you looking at the camera smiling, it gives them a connection to you that they wouldn't otherwise have, which is why we like love things like Instagram stories. And we feel like we know people who we listen to on podcasts a lot or who we see on YouTube videos or on Instagram stories and things like that. So just showing your face. Um, and for that as well, like, I think sometimes people think that has to mean like stiff photos where you're just like smiling and like, huh, like in all of them, I'm um, just like a like headshot type images, but you can, especially when, if you work with someone who knows brand photography, or even just spend mm -hmm. some time on Pinterest, like looking at ideas, there's so much you can do with it. That is not just you looking at the camera. Like you can do stock style images, but that are custom to your brand, like with your hands in it, your podcasting, mic, you know, your planner and those kinds of things. And it, it's just the brand photos go so far in, in your business and you can use them so many places. I wholeheartedly agree. So Mine was never a revenue thing, not to glue. Mine was, I felt like I was the most unphotogenic person in the entire world. And I'm like, I do not want to, spoiler guys, you're not looking at Elizabeth right now, but she's gorgeous. You'd be like, well, Elizabeth doesn't have this problem. We can't have this problem. So it's like, I did not want to, in my opinion, waste money. It was a little over a thousand dollars. This is probably a little bit more. I won't put her on spot, but they're fantastic for these photos because I'm like, I'll feel like such an idiot if I waste a grand and I look awful. The photos were stunning. And I feel like if I hadn't had somebody who was a professional and they made, they did like a little bit of light editing, but having an actual real photographer rather than just a friend with a nice camera made so much difference. And as we were doing little tweaks to our website before the big redo and even to the sales page for love your list and that we had in the October launch. My right hand lady, Abby was like, she's like, I did not realize how much having these great brand photos did. She's yeah. like, I didn't realize that she's like, until I was looking at it and she's like, it makes so much. So I think that really 
after you make some money with your business and your blog, I do think having in mind, setting aside money for this. And like, I looked around at a lot of photographers and she called herself a light catcher. Remember the worst (laughs) possible way, but Bethany was just, she had stunning work and I was just like, yep. And I don't regret it at all. (laughs) It was, and like you said, instant credibility, it's you, you're no longer like trying to like find a stock photo. If you don't have one, you put yourself places. It's just so smart. Yeah. And if you're someone who struggles with like, I don't have anything to post on social media, like this will give you a great inventory of like content ideas even. Um, and I'm with you, like for, for, for me with like, not, I, I, my first photo shoot I did was a friend with a camera. Second one was an exchange. And then after that, I started paying someone to do photos. I've worked with quite a few different like local photographers in Nashville. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's completely worth the investment. I get so much out of the images of like, you can use them on your Facebook ads, on your website, in your email marketing, like, I mean, all over the place, tell a story with your brand. Um, and it really does just set you up like looking more legitimate and feeling more legitimate too. I think. I 100% uh, agree. So what other things do we need to have with our website? So that way we can really have it primed for conversions. Yeah. So another thing, like, so we've talked about, we've talked about copywriting. We've talked about images, which are like the two main things happening on your website, right? Like you have a lot of copy, you have a lot of images. Um, then talking about the actual design itself. I mean, there's so many things you can go into about like what makes a design good and bad and all of that, which is like, honestly, like hard for me to even like explain to people. Sometimes I'm like, it's like, I can almost just tell like, oh, this is a good design. Oh, it's not. So that one's always felt harder for me to talk about than other website tips. But when it comes to design, I mean, one thing you want to look at is that you want to feel consistent from one place to another. So thinking about if you're running ads, let's say to a landing page, when someone sees that ad that maybe you have an ad agency who designed for you and they go to the landing page and it looks completely different, it's going to create a disconnect where people are like, is this even the right thing? So you want to have cohesiveness. Um, that goes from like your literal Instagram photos to like what happens when they click in your bio. And when I say consistent, it doesn't mean it has to be the exact same colors and fonts all the time, but like it needs to feel the same. Like it needs to feel like a brand versus like, oh, I use this random template on Instagram this week. And then my website looks completely different. So having consistency there helps a lot. And then with design, like, I mean, we live in a time, especially with online business where you can do anything you want with your website. Like the, like gone are like the needs for like a super stiff, um, looking site. You can have fun with it. You can show your personality. I have my like tagline for my shop is literally websites with personality, because I think like you should show your business personality on your website and let it be fun. Um, and I even, like, I have a lot of, um, more traditional fields, like bookkeepers, accountants, um, lawyers, counselors, some of those types of industries who have templates from me and they're making their website fun and not stiff. Like they might think it has to be. So making it fun would be one thing. I absolutely love that. So you're telling me I can't do lime green with red font. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very like awkward, like Christmas look, <laughs> right? that. Or like, you know, from like way back in the day, like, or like, it was like that one, like blue and red. And you're just like, Oh God, like what are, what are people thinking? That yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. And I love what you said about design. I feel that way sometimes too, when like people will be like, Oh, like 
oh, you're such a great singer. Like, how do I sing better? I'm like, I don't know. That's just the sound that comes out of my mouth. And I feel like for you, it'll be like, that's just the way my eyeballs look at things. Yes. No, I realize how it feels with design. Like I, I love sharing. I can give like some specific tips like of the design, but in reality, working with the designer, designer or buying a template, I think like helps solve that. And then the other things end up being a bit more up to you. But like another thing too, when we think about like another design tip would be thinking about going back to like the headline thing, even thinking about like the hierarchy of the way people read your text, you know, using that space. Well, like we said, um, and not cluttering things, um, being intentional with what you put on the site, um, with script fonts, the problem I see a lot is people using too much of it to where people can't read it. So making sure everything's legible, um, you want the site to be usable. Um, so that's another like random design tip, but yeah, I mean, make it a brand as much as possible. All right. I know that you have a whole bunch of them. And like I said, everyone needs to be subscribing to your podcast because it's not like you just talk about branding. Like you talk about everything in business, which is why I think I like it. Cause I was like, Oh, like it always comes back to running a great business. That's why I really Thanks. love the, the breaking um, brand. I was going to say it in reverse. I'm like, ah, <laughs> the breaking through brand podcast. So yeah. before I ask you probably the most hard hitting question that you are going to get ever in your podcasting career, just to recap, well, technically you'll get two questions just to recap. Yeah. You want people to quit calling it an email list or like updates, go with what you've got here. If you are going to do something with pop-ups, which we're not necessarily a fan of, e-commerce, that's fine. Other stuff you want to make sure that really is tailored. You give people enough time to read. Make sure that you're doing those inline ones in your footer, which is just so smart in general, as I'm like, do we have one of these sort of things? Make sure that you're using your headlines in the best possible way. Make sure that your design is looking cohesive and it's not just like, oh, I chose this from that and that from there. Really do consider investing in some great photography of yourself. And just, you know, be a little bit more careful with the stock images and things that you are picking. So the two hardest questions. One, is there one more tip out of your list that you would like us to know about? And the second, and this is the hardest hitting question you'll ever get. What is your favorite template in the template shop? Oh gosh, <laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> um, okay, let's, I can start with the first one. Um <laughs> Another tip, I mean, gosh, I feel like I actually ended up touching on the majority of these. One thing I would say, talk like your customers do. I know I kind of already said that, but if someone's like, hears that and says like, I have no idea how my customers talk. All I know is like my industry specific way of talking about things. A nice little trick I like to tell people to do to kind of grab some words to use in your copy is looking at both your testimonials. If you've already worked with clients, how do they describe working with you? How do they describe their problem that you solved? And then also looking at inquiries that come through your inbox. How do people describe what they're looking for? How do people describe why they want to work with you? Um, what's their problem? And oftentimes they are literally giving you the language, um, to using your business. If you just take the time to kind of like maybe copy and paste a bunch of those into word doc and then like look through it and highlight things. Um, that's how so much of what I feel like has been my favorite copywriting I've done for both myself and clients has come from. Okay. There's one thing. And I know that I've been really pressing the podcast. Like I said, I love that we listen to each other's podcasts. <laughs> yes. You had mentioned about design in an episode. That's probably a couple months ago now 
were about the menu. Make sure that people know it's a menu. Don't get fancy and like, don't have like your little hamburger, like on the actual shop website, when you guys go over to a shop, like, even though you've got like the hamburger, like it literally says like menu on the side. So it slides out. So I'm like, Hmm, I wonder if menus could have been her list of things. Oh, so, menu's a good one to talk about. Yeah. So what are some of your, I'll let you pick a couple of your favorite design templates that you have or one that you've created and you're just like, damn, I'm good at what I do. <laughs> you're so kind. Um, that's fun. So I mean, gosh, I think by the time we air this, I will probably have even had some new ones launched because we're recording this a bit in advance because Kate is on top of her stuff and works in advance, <laughs> which I love. Um, but so as cool. in the ones that like are already out there, I mean, one of my favorites is the Jenna template. Um, I launched that one in 2020. Um, it's really great. I would say for online course creators, it's really bold and bubbly. It has a lot of fun vibes. Um, another one that's really popular is the Nicole template. And I love that one. Cause it's really nice and minimal, um, pretty muted, like pink and blues colors and stuff, but really easy to work with, um, for adding great images and great copy too. It has a lot of great like frameworks throughout it, but in general, like all the templates come with the same pages. Um, they're set up with the same like content sections, just all laid out different strategically. So it's all about like which one design wise resonates with you the most and makes the most sense for your business. And they're all built on show it, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with show it, Kate, but it's a really um, nice question. Actually. Yeah. It's a nice, like easy, um, easy to use a lot of flexibility design wise in terms of what you can do and what you can customize. So like, it's been really fascinating to me, but like my customers, they do so many different things with the templates than what it even starts with without hiring a designer, which is really cool. Nice. I was going to say my favorite one. I know that it's, you know, I'm a little bit more objective, but I also like the general one. I think that one is really nice because yeah. like you said, it's really fun. It's minimalistic, but like, it's still like, Ooh, so <laughs> is that the, um, the show it is what it's called. So is that something mm-hmm. like the equivalent of like a WordPress Squarespace thing, or is that more of like a Divi Elementor thing? Like, what is it that way people know? Cause yeah. I know that everyone's going to want to buy these templates because they're gorgeous. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I mean, yeah. So show it is it's a website builder and a website host similar to like Squarespace, but a crazy thing about show it. That's something I really appreciate about it. I know a lot of your listeners are probably WordPress users and show it works with WordPress. So you're actually using WordPress still. It's just like show it's hosting it all design wise. So like when I go to write a blog post, I'm writing it inside WordPress. But when I'm like designing how the whole site looks, when I'm designing my about page and the overall blog layout, it's happening in show it. So they work together really nicely. Um, I always say it takes like the headache out of WordPress. Like you're not having to code things. You don't have to worry about your site crashing all the time. Not that everyone with WordPress has to, but that's like a common thing that happens. I used to use WordPress, um, before show it, but, um, yeah. So that's, how, that's how I would say it's comparable of like, it's a, it's kind of like a site builder for WordPress. Okay. I definitely, I like that a lot. So yeah. it's just like, cause I'm like looking at this and I'm just like, God, I'm like, it loads so fast and they're all so stunning. I'm like, people need to know a little bit more about this. Cause I just feel like, like you said, it just kind of ends a lot of problems. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me. So let us know again, what some of your free gifts are. Tell us about the podcast where you like to hang out online. Cause I know people are going to want more of you in their lives. 
Oh my gosh. It's been, this has been really fun conversation. So I'm, I'm, I've enjoyed chatting with you. Um, yeah, for, so for finding me, I mean, I hang out on Instagram a lot. Edel is with McCravey. Um, my podcast is the breakthrough brand podcast. Like Kate said, it's, it's fun. It's tough business stuff. It's design stuff. I'm almost at a hundred episodes now, which has been exciting, like to have done so many, I feel like, wow, I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, and a freebie that I feel like everyone would enjoy that relates to kind of what we've been talking about. Um, it's elizabethmccravey.com slash headline. And it's 11, what I call high converting sales page headline templates. That was a really mouthful the way I just said that, but it's basically, um, 11 different kind of like mad live style sales page headlines. So thinking about like what goes on the top of your sales page or your service pages, that's for a service doesn't matter. Um, how to like say that, like value proposition statement, really, that's going to get people to read the rest of the page. There's 11 different ones with examples. You kind of just fill it in. I literally reference it in my own business all the time, like this literal freebie um, when I am writing sales copy or even like podcast um, episode titles, all of it's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes and also in the blog post as well with this episode. I've just, I had so much fun. I feel like we could chat forever. Yes, me too. Me too. This has been awesome. <laughs> <Bye>. Thank you. <laughs> Oof, guys, so, so many things to recap. So number one, on your website, copy and words still do matter. Make sure that you're using words that your people actually use. Stop calling your email list an email list or updates. Come up with something to make it more enticing for people to want to join. Make sure that you're putting that in line. Again, that's sort of the naked opt-in form on the bottom footer of your website. So I know if you're a Divi user like I am, I think they call it bottom bar or might honestly just be footer. Put something there. That's something that we haven't implemented at the time that we recorded, but I'm literally like, that's the next thing that I'm going to work on. So by the time you're listening to this, it will definitely be there. For pop-ups, you can test them out, but make sure that you're a bit more strategic with them. Let people have a longer time to actually digest your content. Like I had suggested, make sure that you're only putting it on certain pages or certain posts. You can try slide ups, but they're not the end all be all. When, and I really, really, really want to know this. If you do this exercise, tag me over on Instagram. What is the worst possible way you can say what you do? I would say me teach people talk good is probably the worst way I can describe what I do. Investing in some type of brand photos, it's always going to be a great investment. Realize that when you are first starting out and you might not have a lot of money going in for bartering or making sure that you're setting aside a large percentage of those first couple of sales is going to pan out because most of us are personal brands. And I have to say, I got really vulnerable in this episode myself. I was really nervous about coming across as being unphotogenic and just looking like Honestly, I know everyone's going to say, don't say this, but like looking fat and gross and weird in all of my photos. And that was not the case because I had a skilled photographer. So start where you're at. Realize that you can always upgrade photographers as you go. Pay attention to those stock photos that you are using. And of course, going with something like a template or a designer can help you out. But just make sure overall that your brand looks cohesive. It doesn't have to be the same fonts and the same colors. But if you look like you're an 80s rock star in one thing, and then you look demure and lady boss in another, and then you look minimalistic in another graphic, it's going to look weird. And a confused mind never buys. So that is it for this week's episode of Inbox Besties. As always, we love and appreciate when you guys leave us a rating review over here on iTunes and on Spotify. If that is a thing, I'm still trying to figure it out myself because 
I'm an Amazon Prime user. I know, I know, I know the worst, but it is what it is. And I will see you guys next week. Thank you for having Inbox Besties in your ear holes today. Why don't we go ahead and make it a regular thing? Go ahead and slap that subscribe button now. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and take a screenshot and tag me over on your Instagram stories, Kate underscore Doster, so that way I can give you a shout out for being a bestie of the week. Later days.